back to another Adam Schefter podcast as we look ahead to week four of the NFL season. Some great matchups this weekend. But before we get to those matchups, we will be joined today by the man that made an appearance on Sunday NFL Countdown this past week, Oz Perlman, the mentalist who has been seen on America's Got Talent, on Jimmy Fallon, a man who worked his magic in studio on Sunday. And for those who haven't seen it, I recommend that you do. His piece is posted on my Instagram and Twitter timelines. Go watch what he did with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. It is nothing short of mind-blowing. And then we will be joined by the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, Thomas Dimitrov, who has transitioned from being an NFL GM to being the CEO of Sumer Sports, a consulting group that helps teams and the NFL refine ways to improve their rosters and do all sorts of advantageous things. And of course, going into week four, we are left with two unbeaten teams. Now, if I had said to you at the start of this NFL season before a single game were played, who will be the final two unbeaten teams in the National Football League? I think most people would have thought the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills. Very few would have thought the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. But there they are, still unbeaten, both quarterbacked by former Alabama quarterbacks, Tua Tungabailoa, Jalen Hurts, former college teammates, now presiding over the last two unbeaten records in the National Football League. Not many people would have thought of that, but these two teams have been a force, and I think they'll be there in the end. We'll see how far each can go. But the Miami Dolphins are coming off a win Sunday that was probably their finest and most significant win in over two decades as an organization. And the Philadelphia Eagles look formidable and balanced and as good as the team that won the Super Bowl in Minnesota, beating the New England Patriots. So it doesn't mean that these two teams will get to the Super Bowl, but it does mean that they're going to have relevant, interesting, compelling seasons all year long. And you know who else is going to be interesting and compelling? The Dallas Cowboys. And I don't know how many people would have thought that their season was over when Dak went out of the game in the opening game with that fractured thumb. Now, we were in MetLife Stadium on Monday night from Monday Night Countdown, got the chance to see Dak on the field before the game. He had just gotten his stitches out, held up his thumb, said it feels and looks great, and said that he's going to try to grip a football this week, and later told Lisa Salters that he's not ruling out the idea of playing this week against the Washington Commanders. Now, I think that sounds a bit ambitious because it will, as he said to me on Monday night, depend on how he grips the football and it's hard to think this soon out of surgery that he would be able to grip the football the way he wants. Plus, they're playing with Cooper Rush, who hasn't lost a game as a starting quarterback. And we heard Jerry Jones last week talk about the fact that he wants, wants a quarterback controversy in Dallas. Now, nobody thinks there's going to be a quarterback controversy. It's Dak's job. But Cooper Rush has established himself as somebody who deserves playing time and should be in the conversation for quarterbacks who could help teams. Cooper Rush has played very well in place of the injured Dak Prescott. And how about some of the injuries across the National Football League this week? The Los Angeles Chargers lose their left tackle, their Pro Bowl left tackle, Rashawn Slater, for the season to a torn biceps injury. His job was to protect their quarterback, Justin Herbert, who's dealing with fractured rib cartilage. And the Chargers already have been without their center, Corey Lindsley. They lose Jalen Guyton, their wide receiver, to a torn ACL. Who has had worse injury luck early on than the Los Angeles Chargers? Well, the 49ers lost their starting standout left tackle, Trent Williams, to four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. And we saw what happened to their offensive attack when he went out of the game on Sunday night. They couldn't protect Jimmy Garoppolo. It was a big problem. And that'll be interesting again on Monday night when the 49ers host Aaron Donald and the Los Angeles Rams without their starting left tackle. And when we look ahead to this weekend's games, some tremendous matchups. Jaguars-Eagles, one week after the Eagles get their former quarterback, Carson Wentz, they now get their former head coach, Doug Peterson, who was the Eagles coach from 2016 to 2020 and led the Eagles to their only Super Bowl victory. 
The Eagles won their home opener in week two. They haven't won their first two home games in a season since 2018. And Jalen Hurts was the Alabama backup when Trevor Lawrence led Clemson to a 44-16 win over Bama in the 2019 College Football National Championship game. So I'm sure Jalen Hurts is looking forward to trying to get some form of payback. Speaking of payback, the Buffalo Bills will be looking to bounce back against a resurgent Baltimore Ravens team. It's the third meeting between two of the hottest quarterbacks in the game, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, including playoffs. Allen was the seventh overall pick in the 2018 draft. Jackson was the 32nd pick in the 2018 draft. Josh Allen already has been paid. Lamar Jackson is looking to get paid, and they will square off on Sunday in what should be a tremendous matchup. Sunday night, Chiefs, Buccaneers. We will wait to see whether that game is played in Tampa where Hurricane Ian may be rolling through this week. And first and foremost, let's hope that the city of Tampa, the people there are safe, that the damage is minimal, that the storm is not too harsh. Our thoughts are with everybody in that area. And let's hope the hurricane dissipates, weakens, and does not impact that area. From a football standpoint, we'll see whether that game can be played there on Sunday night. If it can't, they may play that game somewhere in the Midwest, but there's no way that NBC is going to go give up Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady in prime time. And it's the first meeting between these two teams since the Buccaneers beat the Chiefs 31-9 to in Super Bowl 55 at Raymond James Stadium. This is the sixth meeting between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, including the playoffs. And Brady's won three of the last five matchups. Should be a great matchup before we get to the final game of week four. Rams at 49ers. Monday night in San Francisco, we will be there with ESPN Monday Night Countdown. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. All right. Last week on Sunday NFL Countdown, we featured a mentalist, Oz Perlman, who I've known for quite some time. I've met him at some family functions. I've watched his work. Everybody who watches what he does is blown away by the things he can do. And this past summer, ESPN hired Oz Perlman to do three pieces with three teams to air on Sunday NFL Countdown. The first one ran this past Sunday. He spent an afternoon with the Baltimore Ravens performing at a team meeting in which John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach, called him up in front of the auditorium, in front of the team, and he did his act on the Ravens. And it was incredible, as you would think. And last week, our great producer, Matt Garrett, asked me, we're going to have Oz Perlman in studio. Are you sure that he could pull off his mental tricks on live TV without us taping this segment in advance? Are you sure? And I said to him, Matt, I am 100% sure. And we put Oz on live Sunday in which he blew the mind of Randy Moss. He told Randy Moss to pick an NFL team from a deck of cards that he was flashing up. And he picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he said, now think of a player from that team. And Randy Moss closed his eyes, not having spoken to O's before. And he said, you have the player? And he said, yeah. And bam, just like that, they put Jerome Bettis on the screen. He said, who's your player, Randy? Jerome Bettis. Now, how could you guess that of all the players who ever played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that Randy Moss would choose Jerome Bettis? But that's exactly what O's the mentalist did. He did something similar to me today on the day we taped this podcast. Before we came on, he called me. He said, how many names are on Wikipedia? I said, I don't know how many, 10,000? Well, we looked, it was 6,555. Okay, there are 65, 
66,555 people on Wikipedia. He said, I want you to pick somebody you loved having your podcast. I did. He said, I want you to pick another person. That would be the backup. I did. We bring him on at the end of this podcast to go back to the thoughts that I had had this morning before he came on, which we didn't discuss the people to see if he could guess what he'll do at the conclusion of our segment. And once again, this guy blows your mind because it's out of my mind that he could do the things that he does. So here he is, the incredible mentalist, my friend, Oz Perlman. What is going on, Oz? What's happening? Happy New Year. Happy, I'm doing good. Happy New Year to you. How much feedback have you gotten from Sunday, by the way? Crazy, man. Everybody's loved it. It's been, uh, and there was just so much stuff. The fact that both things dropped together was uh, was incredible. You know, what's amazing to me is there aren't many times where we're doing Sunday countdown, Monday night countdown, and all of a sudden I get a flurry of text messages from people who saw something on air and were touched in one way or another. Your piece on Sunday with the Baltimore Ravens, which is now posted on my Twitter account and on my Instagram right. account for those who haven't seen it yet, was one of those pieces that I think totally wowed people. They couldn't believe that somebody nice. could do the things that you did in the piece online, which is why we reached out to you and asked you, could you come on the podcast today, talk about what transpired Sunday, what we have in store for people in the future, and a little bit about the man who is Oz Perlman. Well, thank you, Adam. Thank you through and through. I got to give you credit where credit is due. None of this would have happened without the one and only Adam Schefter, who made this all kind of happen, wheeling and dealing. And ESPN saw me, and then you just said, let's get the teams. And this guy knows everybody in the world of football. So he made it happen, man. So thank you. Well, for those who don't know, we had a great trip out to Seattle. We did, essentially, you did. I helped coordinate three pieces and so for all those who saw the piece on sunday with o's and the baltimore ravens and it's fantastic again there are two more coming up with the tampa bay buccaneers and the seattle seahawks and we had the pleasure of being in seattle together it was an awesome experience i think for both of us in a lot of different ways getting to see it was a lot of fun was that incredible right the way that Pete cow runs that room it was it was so fun i mean we stuck around after the performance and it was so much fun. You know, what's funny when you said, is there a lot of comments? So you get a lot of feedback from uh, kind of new fans, people that didn't know me that are being introduced to me through the world of like, you know, football guys who are really into football guys and girls who are super, you know, football fanatics who are watching uh, Sunday countdown. And I would say the vast majority were pumped. They were like, you know what? It's fun to do something a little different on the show. A few of them were like, why are they wasting their time with a guy who's not doing football? <laughs> they want more core content. Uh, and it's funny in the comments where every one out of a hundred is like, this is all fixed. This is all staged. And I just go, yo, man, if Lamar Jackson's getting 250 million, I don't think I'm paying him to fake it on air. You know what I mean? I got nothing to give this guy for him to be freaking out. So it's so funny when people say it's all fake. Uh, I go, it's not fake, man. Nothing set up. Well, that's the amazing part about this, right? For all those people who are skeptical, and I saw a couple of those comments, the majority were overwhelmingly positive, people blown away. But there are a couple of people who said, it's fixed. Well, let me say this for the record. It is a hundred percent not fixed. There's nothing discussed in advance. I promise you, I swear in my life, you saw the reaction of Randy Moss afterwards. There's no way that Randy Moss could fake that appearance. There's zero chance. And for anyone who needs proof, and I'm telling you right now, we were on after the piece on the Baltimore Ravens ran, and always said to me, pick a color. And in my mind, I went through red, purple, and I landed on black. You asked Matt Hasselbeck to pick a number. He picked whatever number he did. You wrote on Teddy. your blackboard. That one was Teddy. Or Teddy, black 18. And yep. I was thinking black. He was thinking 18. Bam. Now, Trick play, bam. Black 18 all day. So where, how does this happen, Oz? What, what, what can you tell us? Like, what is? what the hell is going on? What is going on here? So I, I hate to be a guy who keeps secrets, but that's my try. That's my trade. You know what I mean? So if everybody was doing what I'm doing, my job security would plummet. Uh, the one good news is that it's one of those skills that you can develop over time. Listen, I can't go run a 40 yard dash or do jumps or do any of these things that these guys do, uh, you know, in the combine. So everyone's got their own skill set. Keep in mind, mine is one that's very unique. Um, and it requires a lot of determination and thick skin because it doesn't always go this well. 
Uh, if, if you know the ins and outs, the, the ESPN team, who were the producers, kept coming up to me. And I mean, up until the minute I went on, we're like, are you sure this is going to work? And they're like, we know what's supposed to happen, but we don't get how you're going to do it. And I go, just trust me. And they were so nervous because it's live. And they go, what happens if it goes wrong? What happens if, if I told them to get Jerome Bettis on the line? Because they had to call him you know, the day before and say, can we get you on here, Jerome? Because somehow O's is going to get in Randy's head and make him pick the Pittsburgh Steelers and he's going to make him think of Jerome. Like, we don't know how he's going to do it. It's, it's, we know Randy, he, he doesn't, Randy doesn't do what the producers say. So uh, it, it's very funny because you got to take big swings. And the reason that a lot of the time, I think there's a lot of good feedback like this is because honestly, I'm not lying to you. That could have gone wrong so many different ways, but I love the thrill of doing things that I don't know if they're going to work. If I know it's going to work and I do it every time in my show, and it's a little, I don't want to call it boring because you'll still like it. I'm not excited. So my excitement translates to the audience and they can feel the danger. So are there times it does go wrong? Os? Totally. Uh, yeah, but so it's uh, going wrong. Keep in mind when I'm doing a show for a few hundred people, it actually makes the show stronger. If you're doing a 45 minute show, you're coming to a theater and, and you're, let's say an hour show. And you see me, if, if one or two things go wrong, that's actually great because it makes you seem human. You know, it kind of gets boring. Think about a guy who crosses a, a tight wire, you know, the trapeze. And if that guy just walks across it quickly and doesn't even flinch, you're like, that's easy. I could do it. But when they're holding that stick and a gust of wind comes, and they go, oh, and you feel it in your stomach. Do you know what I mean? It's a physiological reaction where you feel, oh my God, he, they might fall. Like you need that feeling for people to sense, wow, this is really impossible what's being done. Now, here's the problem. If you have five minutes live on ESPN with millions of people watching, I don't have a lot of time to go wrong. If I go wrong, I don't have a lot of runway to come back. So to answer your question in that setting, I don't want anything to go wrong. Um, but I plan for the worst. I'm always prepared. And, and, you know, it's like the fourth, fourth quarter, man. If something goes wrong, I've got a million plans on how to do it. And that, that's, that's why you keep bringing me on is because uh, I somehow pull it off. <laughs> What was it like for you to be in front of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks performing for these groups of individuals? Do you get nervous at all? Do you worry about something going wrong? So the things that I get nervous about are things that are outside my control. So, for example, I get in the room with the Seahawks, uh, you know, I got DK Metcalf, we got some legendary figures and you got big egos in a good way. You've got people that are very confident, self-assured. They've been around the block. I'm not going to push these guys into doing something they don't want to do. Or, or, you know, people always say to me is, are some people easier to read than others? hundred thousand percent. Really? So, oh yeah. Like it, it just, it's the nature of the beast. It's the same as sales. Some people are easier to sell to others take a little more work. So what you're trying to do there, all I am is selling a product, honestly, but what I'm selling is the thought that I can read people's minds. So you need to figure out what people are going to think. You need to reverse engineer their brain. And some of that involves making them comfortable with you. Nobody wants to buy something from somebody they hate. Same thing here. I need to build rapport. I need to create that level of comfort. And that can happen quickly or slowly. But in these situations, I get thrown into a group. And like you just said, it's not set up. I didn't get to go hang out with Tom Brady for hours before. It's, I go on stage, bam, the goat is right there. And they're like, do something crazy, blow away Tom Brady. So I need to know in that moment, it's kind of like solving a puzzle. What's going to work best for him? How do I finesse him into the position I want to do what I want? It's kind of, he's the quarterback in his field. I'm the quarterback when I'm up there. So I was just looking to see what's the best thing I can do. And it's jazz. I don't have a set list. The way a comedian says, this is the first joke, second joke, third joke. I kind of go with the flow. And sometimes the audience gives you gold. Somebody says something funny, like in one of these things, coach, uh, we didn't see the whole thing with the Ravens. He goes, you got to get this guy, get Marcus. And, and I didn't even pick him. I said, coach, you pick somebody out of the crowd. And that's what makes it really fun. Cause how could it be set up? He just picked any one of his players and his player challenged me to guess something about him. So um, that's what makes it exciting. And that's where I try to, you know, you got to go with what the audience gives you. That's how you get the best material. And that happened in Seattle. I saw that where people were just picking random people. You didn't know who they were. Know. And you were able to work your mental tricks with these particular pros and freaked out some of these people, by the way, when you see the video on yeah. the Seahawks and the Buccaneers, it's unbelievable. They were great. The Seahawks. I got to give a big shout out. I mean, everybody involved, but man, Pete Carroll is a one of one. He is an amazing guy. Uh, I mean, Jim Harbaugh too. Coach Bowles. John Harbaugh. Pete Carroll loved you. John, John, he loved you. Pete Carroll loved you. I'm Jim because I'm a Michigan guy. You and me go blue, babe. Something of his brother. 
but yeah, John Harbaugh was awesome. Um, Coach Bowles, but but Pete is just a he's just a unique guy. Like I'm talking outside of football, he's just got a contagious, uh, infectious spirit where he just has like that love of life and everything around it. You can tell this is a naturally curious person, uh, and I love being around people like that. They 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 do the opposite. I always want to listen. I want to hear his stories, but all he wants to do is hear my stories. And I'm like, you know, no, you tell me stories, Pete. I've been watching you since USC, man. So it was a lot of fun. He loved you. He loved you. Like he was so wowed by you. He's like, you are the ultimate example of mind over matter. You are proof that we can will ourselves to do anything. He loved that you were there to inspire his team for a full day. Cause that's exactly what he does on a daily basis. Yeah. And they put in such work. I mean, you and I saw and sat there and it's like a presentation that you can't imagine they're doing these presentations several times a week. This is something you could put together like a Ted talk once. And, and it was awesome. The level of energy in there, they had, I don't want to give stuff away, but they have memes, they have jokes, they have music. I mean, this is a like super over the top professional production uh, that you know, I've been at corporate events. They're spending seven figures and then I'll put together stuff like this. It was unbelievable. You mentioned he was asking all these questions about you, which I got to hear. And so we'll ask, you some of the questions that Pete had that I've had for you that I would think that the listeners would like to know. Sure. How does one become a mentalist and cultivate the skills that you have to where you're at today? How does that happen? Ose? So a mentalist is funny because everybody knows what a magician is. You tell a hundred people what's a magician. Everybody knows mentalist. That number drops plummets. So a mentalist is like a magician. It's very important. People always ask me, does this mean you're psychic or supernatural? No. I do not believe I have any supernatural abilities. Um, there's things that I've done that sometimes I can't quite explain, but I, I chalk them up to intuition, luck, and, and repeatability. I'm sure there's you know things you've seen in a football game that are unreal, superhuman. Somebody catches a football off one finger and you're like, there's no way you could do that catch a thousand more times. It would never work. So most of what I do is built on the foundation of magic, which is when you're when I was a kid, I did card tricks and I learned how to misdirect people's attention. For example, if I look over here see, that's where you're going to look. That's the simplest equation is how you learn how to take people's attention and either divert it or direct it where you want it to go. And once you learn that, that's like how to crawl before you can walk, before you can run, you start to learn how people think, where their mind goes. And I don't want to say it in a bad way, how to control them, but how to control them within the context of entertaining like I'm not walking into a bank, looking in somebody's eyes and telling them to give me all the money. This is not done for nefarious or criminal purposes, <laughs> it's purely for entertainment. Knock on wood. I don't want to go to jail anytime soon. So I started as a magician, sleight of hand when I was a teenager and kind of over the next 15 years that evolved where mentalism uh, became more of like my passion and obsession. Uh, I, I hated it when I was a teenager because it's so boring. You read books, you watch videos and there's no moves. Everybody always thinks like, well, you just did a show, but you didn't do any moves. There's no moves. Card tricks are fun. You play, you know, when you're a teenager, you want that like fun thing to do. Mentalism is all up here and it's reading books. It's reading lots of statistics. It's learning how people think, watching game video. Dude, people watch game videos for NFL. All I do is watch game video to know how people think. It's super boring if you're not into it and learning with other mentalists. You go to dinner with two mentalists, most boring thing in the world. We hardly talk. We're just looking at each other's faces. Uh, <laughs> No. So, so when, so when did you know, when did you know that you were taking your skills from being a magician that you were younger to this refined mentalist, this world renowned yeah. mentalist that you've now become today? Long story short, the mentalism thing evolved and I was always doing it, but magic was a crutch. So I would always fall back on magic because here's the big difference. When you do a card trick, you can practice it at home in front of the mirror for hours, for days, for months, for years. And then when you do it, it's always going to work. Does that make sense? Yep. It, it's, a, it's a formula. It's like a recipe. A plus B equals C every time. Mentalism is not like that. And that's the reason you ask yourself, why do I know so many magicians, but there's so few mentalists that have really broken? And it's because most people, they don't like the fact that it might not work. It's, it's, it's a big risk career-wise to go out and do stuff where it might not work. And so getting to the level where it works every time and it's engaging and fun uh, and entertaining it, it is a challenge. And there's, it's kind of a big drop off of how many people are willing to do that and put in the years. So after I was on America's Got Talent, that was kind of my rocket fuel moment. I got to the finals. I got third place. They, I went into it in the year before there was a magician who won, a guy named Matt Franco, friend of mine, awesome. 
And I knew there's no way in the world two magicians are winning two years in a row. It's not happening. So I decided, you know what? I'm mostly doing mentalism, but I gotta just, I gotta, I gotta jump in the deep end of the pool. I can't keep dipping my toes in. And I became O's the mentalist, hence my social and everything else. Uh, and I decided this is what I'm going for. I'm gonna start doing mentalism only. No more card tricks, no more sleight of hand. I'm just going deep dive into the mind. But third place in America's Got Talent, was that was a launching point for you? Like that was when you mm-hmm. knew it was working? And how come? I Well, I think it's external validation. Uh, it also is one of those things where it's kind of like pouring jet fuel on a small match and all of a sudden everything explodes because now all these people uh, and, and TV was so much stronger. Like, like if you look at the numbers of America got talent now versus seven years ago is the biggest show. I mean, there are 14 million people watching live. That's not even on YouTube. When I was on the finale, there's almost nothing like that. It's so difficult to get those numbers anymore. Cause there's Netflix. There's who there's like a million ways to watch YouTube you know, I'm not dating myself, but like even seven years ago, the power of TV internationally was huge. So kind of overnight, um, the people just knew who I was and it opened up a lot of other doors. Also, America's Got Talent. The show is unique. It's like a, watching football. You have a team. Do you understand what I mean? You, you get behind somebody emotionally. You see somebody at like Jimmy Fallon. It's fun. I've been on that show, but nobody gets invested in you and they start rooting for you in that show. It's a great thing that people can watch with their family because it's appropriate for all ages. And suddenly you go, that's my guy or that's my girl or that's my group in the start. And now you hitch your wagon. And so I had a lot of people that went along with me for the ride and they voted for me. Um, and just it was all across the board, all different communities. One of the big one, Perlman, clearly a, a Jew over here. The Jews loved me. And like I just had a lot of sectors that suddenly got behind me. I used to work on Wall Street. So there's a lot of people that saw in me the thing of like, hey, I'm at a job I don't like. I quit my job. I took a huge risk and I didn't have a paycheck coming in and I decided to go for my dream. And there's a lot of people that, you know, that's, that's the same dream they have. And, and, and I kind of went for it. And so a lot of people saw that as well. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we saw you on Sunday, on Sunday NFL yep. Countdown. Where does most of your work come from? Are you doing private parties? Are you doing performances like you did this past summer at a theater in West Hampton? Where are, where is most of your work done, Os? The vast majority of what I do are corporate events. It's kind of the way I position myself in America's Got Talent. I was always in a suit and tie. I used to work on Wall Street. I'm a corporate guy. I know the lingo. I know the terminology. There's a bunch of industries that I, I'm I'm the main guy in it, like financial services, insurance, uh, a lot of other venture capital, private equity, multinationals, kind of a lot of these corporations, they want something that's clean. And that appeals to everybody. And that seems easier than it is because comedy is subjective. And sometimes it's a little bit crass and they're a little nervous. Music, you could have the biggest band in the world up there, but not everybody likes that band. It's unusual and unique, the fact that amazement translates everywhere. Everyone can be amazed. And what I do is a little different. I get a lot of the time people say, ah, I don't really like magic, but I like what you're doing because I'm not creating a puzzle or a challenge. Like when you watch a magic trick, you know they're doing it somehow. And some part of you goes, oh, I want to know the secret. When I take people for a show, it's kind of an experience. I take you along and I teach you some of the stuff I'm doing. And then I always step it up. I always step it up. So once you learn one of the skills and how I'm kind of reading people and how to do a lie detection test yourself, now I do it in a different way. And you go, what was that, man? Is that the advanced course? How'd you do that one? And so I like to leave you wanting more and always reaching. So it's kind of like breadcrumbs. Um, To answer your question, long-winded, mostly corporate events, but I'm still out there doing stuff on TV as regularly as I can. I always try to come up with new cool stuff. ESPN gave me the chance. I've been on most channels that you can imagine. 
And I do things that appeal to the viewer. So I don't think about me and what makes me look good. I want to do stuff that the person watching. So if I'm on, you know, uh, the food channel, I'm doing stuff about food. If I'm on CNBC, bring me on very regularly, mutual friend of ours, Jim Cramer, great guy. I do stuff <laughs> all about the stock market. Uh, you know, I go on Ellen, I'm going to do stuff that appeals to her demographics earlier in the year. I just know my viewer and I target them. Um, the other thing I do is I do theater shows. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say yet, but there's, I'm in talks for a residency in New York city, uh, hopefully for later this year. So there will be a place to come see me. You're in New York city. You can buy tickets. You'll see it posted on my social. We're still in negotiations with the theater, but with any luck, I'm hoping next month to open up a show. uh, So people can come see me in an intimate setting. Not it's, it's less than 200 people. So you get to experience it. My show's interactive. You don't just sit there and watch. You're probably going to be in the show if you want to. Are we invited? Are the Schefters invited when you Schefters are in, baby? Front row, not opening night. I got to polish the stones. I need you there when it's good. I want to be there when you open residency in New York. I really do. That's 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 what I want to do. Punch that ticket. It's done. It it, it would be an awesome thing. Um, we mentioned that you did Sunday countdown. You've got a couple more pieces coming up here. Uh, how many shows would you say you do? altogether on a regular basis. So when you're talking about doing these financial sector company, when you're talking about doing these financial companies, how often are you performing? Uh, I mean, I probably do about 160 to 170 events a year. So there's more where I'm gone. Yeah. I'm gone 18, 20, 22 days. I mean, that that's, it's a little brutal. Got a, a family at home, but then it gets balanced by the fact certain times are slower. I also do some private parties. So some people bring me in, you know, bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, milestones, anniversaries, you name the event. I've been at a million of them. Uh, and then also theaters. So I will tour yeah. theaters every now and again and do public ticketed shows so that you can come see me. And another huge one is charity fundraisers. So I, I really believe truly in giving back. Yeah. There's a lot of charities that are close to my heart, near and dear to me, my family, causes I believe in, and other charity fundraisers as well that bring me in. Because like I said, it's difficult to find entertainment that appeals to a wide swath and all different ages. And what I do is appropriate for all ages. If your kids are younger than eight, it kind of always say it's not inappropriate, but they just might not get it. Like Sunday Countdown, my kids were watching on TV and they they don't understand why dad guessing you know, that, that, that two football hall of famers would pick the the Detroit lions and the Carolina Panthers. They like, well, why that doesn't sound amazing. I'm like, they don't understand that you can't read minds yet at home. I'm always reading their minds. So they're, they're skewed as to what they find. Impressive. So it works on a personal level too. Like, can you read your wife's mind, your kid's mind? No, my wife, I have no idea. I might be just, <laughs> I don't know why I'm in trouble. I get home. I hear a tone of voice. I'm like, what's going on? What did I do wrong? And then, then it's like Sherlock Holmes. I start deducing. What did I do? Uh, my kids are a little easier, but I think all parents can read their kids pretty well. You, all parents have an, like a, you know, a spidey sense. They're, the hairs stick up on your neck when your kid's lying to you. Um, but, but yeah, my daughter should be worried in the future. I've always said that joke when she's going to be like a teenager and she's like, oh, I'm going to hang out with Rachel. I'm like, look at me. Who's Mark? Look at me. What's his address? <laughs> like, going to be in big trouble. Now, you mentioned that amazement translates and what people I, don't know about you also is that you are, well, maybe some people do, that you're a big, avid runner and that you yeah. have run from Montauk to Manhattan over, what, 24 straight hours? You've run around Central Park, 19 loops, 116 miles in a single day, right? In less than a day. In less the park open. The park opens 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. So that that's within that that thing. It's called an FKT, fastest known time. It's like the Guinness World Records, but for running. And so I ran around Central Park more times in one day than anybody ever has in the 150-year history. And the best part is we raised a ton of money. Uh, it was 160 miles. And I ran $116,000 for Save the Children for Ukraine for that terrible situation. Right, to help the Ukrainian children displaced by Russia's yeah. invasion, Right. So how does a person run 116 miles in less than a day? How does a person run from Montauk to Manhattan? How much of this is mind over matter, O's? Help me out here. All of it, man. All of it. I I, 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 I can't explain it. You know what? It's You can have like a little mantra in your head, but the, the simple part of it is your mind is more, there's no question you're going to be in pain during that. I was suffering. There were parts of my stomach was wrecked, feet are wrecked, you know, brutal, but you can control more than you think. A good friend of mine, well-known guy named David Goggins, we used to train together. He blew up and he's an amazing guy, inspirational beyond belief. Do you know him, Navy SEAL? You got to look him up, David Goggins. 
give him a follow. He's incredible. So he says it the best. When you think you're done, you've only used up 40% of your reserves. And I believe that hundred percent, your mind can take you to the next level. You hear about, you know, a mom who's five foot one, weighs 90 pounds, picking up a car to save her child. Where did that come from? Um, I've been in races where I'm a hundred miles in, I'm falling apart. And I see a guy who's in his late sixties, who I'm telling you objectively, every measure, I am more fit than this person, way more fit, but mentally he is stronger than me. He's going while I'm quitting. So I think it's just learning how not to quit. Uh, and, and that's something that you train over time. And, and I, I love a challenge. I just, I'm kind of an obsessive person. So once I got into the running, I'm competitive and I like to do things that people tell me I can't do. So that that's kind of where it came from. And now uh, that's kind of my jam is, is going for long runs or trying to run fast or doing marathons or ultra marathons. Well, right when we were in Seattle, you had just completed about 24 hours earlier, the run from Montauk yes. to Manhattan. How long was that run? Uh, it was 130 miles. Oh, that's it. it? 130 miles. So you ran 130 miles in how long? Uh, 21 hours and 52 minutes. And you get on a plane to fly to Seattle to go perform for the Seahawks after running 139 miles. Yeah. yeah. So the, the one part about you ready, that was, I had a nice little cushion of almost a day and a half. So I don't want to lie, but when I did the thing around central park, I finished and I got home at about two 30 in the morning. Cause we had to pack up. There was press there, Reuters. It got enormous coverage. Um, and, and so I didn't get home until two 30 and I had to fly the sports fans are like this. That was the same weekend. That was the finals of the masters. I immediately the next morning at 9 a.m. was already on the way to the airport with six hours of sleep. Legs were cooked. And I flew down to Augusta, Georgia and did a show that night for a corporate client at the Masters the same night. So they got up on stage. and They go, this guy less than 20 hours ago just did this. And the people were like, what? <laughs> and when you flew to Seattle, I think your big toenail was falling off. Am I correct? Oh, man. Yeah. Not, let's spare the gory details. People are going to be like, this guy's nuts and gross. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's part of the equation, man. You suffer and, and hopefully you don't lose too many toenails. Is there another conquest in the works that's planned for the future? What's the next thing for you there? So the next one's going to sound tame, but it's the New York City Marathon. So um, I'm going to be, yeah, just just a, a, an easy 26.2. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping to do well. Last year, I got 33rd. 33rd uh, in the New York City Marathon? 33rd. Where are we going this year? If you check the last name, fastest Jew. I was the fastest Jew, Adam Schefter. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's quite an um, accomplishment. So how high do we want to go this year? You know, it's, I'm trying my best. This year I turned 40. The big 4-0, so I'm now called Master's Division. Um, I don't want to make any excuses. My training hasn't been quite as hard. A lot of work lately. But let's see what I can do, man. Always, always want to crack that top 100, top 50. Fingers crossed. I'm chasing uh you know, the Kenyans and Ethiopians at the front. So what could you say to these people who are looking to summer, summon that inner drive, that reserve fuel that people have not tapped in? How do I tap into that when I'm exhausted and unable to go any further in whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it's working out or working or whatever it is, how do people tap in to that hidden reserve of energy? Ose? I think it's mentally training yourself. Uh, by, by, by always pushing it a little harder, a little further. There's a guy I follow named Ed Miletti has this mantra, one more. I really believe in that. David Goggins has similar ones where you really need to keep upping it. So you can't just stay within your comfort zone. And so many of us do that. We know our strengths. We only play to our strengths. We let our weaknesses kind of, you know, uh, atrophy. And you're like, oh, I'm not that good at that. I don't want to do that. So push yourself to do things you're not comfortable with on a regular basis. It's just so important. And the running similar, like I should be doing this as well. Like my wife, she does all these other workouts that are so hard, SLT, Pilates. Meanwhile, I'll get in there. I won't be able to move for a week if I go do these workouts with her, like bar. You know, she makes fun of me for just running. Like you're like, oh my God, 130 miles. Like, yeah, but just running. So I try to always push myself to do new things. You got to stay creative. You got to stay stimulated. Listen, it's easier said than done. Everybody has families, responsibilities. I got three young kids. I woke up this morning at 5.30. I set the alarm, I wake up, I get out there and I run. You find the time to do the things that are important to you and you get a routine. And always the first two weeks are the hardest. Always. The first two weeks is when you want to give up. You got that voice in your head telling you, this sucks, nothing's happening. You're not seeing the results. Get through the first two weeks, three weeks tops, and then routines start to feel in place. You know, they always say like when you move your trash can from the right side of your desk to your left side yeah. of your desk, takes two or three weeks where you always go, oh crap. And then you have to turn your mind 
it's kind of like a man just always goes back to that normal position. You go, oh, oh, after two or three weeks, you remember instinctively, I got to throw the trash in that one. And that's the same thing your mind does. And that's what happens to me when I start pushing it in training. When I do it, I get my best creative burst when I'm out running. Mm. That's why I do it. I get like dialed in. And every single thing you saw me do on ESPN, I came up with during a run. I'm out there running and my mind is racing. How would I do this? How would I do this? Oh my God, this will be cool. Wow. So before I let you go, are we going to refer to the... Yes, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. And I like the first thing I said to you when we run a Sunday countdown, if everybody hasn't seen it, as I say to Adam, I say, I want you to be spontaneous, impulsive, and in the moment. Okay. Which is, that's what I want. I want this moment. And I want to do this right now with as if we had never met, never spoken a word in our life, even though we have history, like an extra sketch, we shake it. I want you to imagine right in this moment, you can swear on your life, your kids' lives, that you're going to think of somebody right now. You haven't thought of before. If you could sit down with somebody in the sports world, in the sports world, anybody in the sports sports world, world, listen to me in the sports world and sit down and have a conversation with somebody in the sports world right now, this moment, think of somebody you'd love to sit down with. Can you do that for me? Well, I, I think right away to one person, but I want to go a little bit different. Is that okay? Or you want me to just be spontaneous? Whatever you want to do, man. You're the boss. Yeah. Anybody in the sport, could it be a sports overlap? Like, or does it have to be in the sports no. world? No, sports world, sports world. I want you to stay in your core competency for a moment. So it's got to be like a a coach or a, or a player or... You know what? Here's the problem. I can see people at home. The wheels are spinning. But let me ask you right now, as you're deciding, there's no way I could know what you're going to think no. of, could I? Because you don't even know what you're going to think. No. Are we in agreement? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. So here's here's the key. But anyone watching this, if I'm watching yeah. this and I'm a skeptic, I go, but you know what? You're a public figure. Adam Schiff, you got millions of followers every single day. You post more to Twitter than anyone I know. We are getting an insight into your brain, news, NFL. And here's the problem with you thinking of a sports person. I might be able to glean who you might pick based on past, you know, tweets and posts. So I want to switch gears. Let's switch gears from this moment. And I want to go to something else. A question is if you could sit down with somebody who's not in sports. Got it. Now we go. Got this. it. Yeah. Now this is different. Do you agree? Because this is a question I could not have looked up online nope. about. You were found out in advance. No history. Now, the same way. Did everyone notice how when Adam goes, well, just now when you were saying I got one person, but it's too obvious. I want another person. I think you did the same thing as me, which is if I go to a grocery store and I'm hungry, I want to eat everything, yep. right? I'm insatiable. And you've got that insatiable curiosity. So when I ask you to think of somebody outside the sports world, you thought of one person, but then you jump to another person. Is that correct? Yeah. There's no way I can know either of these people, no. could I? But I can tell the reaction. And what I got is when you thought of the first person, it was different than the second. I think you thought of a guy and then you switched to a girl. Am I right? Well, I, I never got to the second person, but I thought of the first person. Wait, wait, was the first person a guy? Yeah. Well, but this is not sports world, right? Outside the sports no, world. No, no. When you asked me on the sports world, I thought of a guy. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm scrapping. I'm scrapping. Oh, that. Okay. We're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was two people, wasn't it? Was it a guy and then a girl? Yes, it was. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. How about this? Think of, think of the female. Yep. And here's what I want you to do, because I know some people are going to listen to this process as a podcast alone. I want you to count the number of letters in her first name. Okay. Just to yourself. Okay. Got it. He said K, got it. And people don't realize that it's not how you said it that matters. It's when you said it. If that's a longer name, it takes longer to count. Shorter names are quicker. Yep. And you took two beats. If I'm playing drums, ba 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 Five letters, isn't it, Adam? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and then I see Adam thinking to myself, who is he going to? And he's like, there's oh my a lot God. of these five letters. Yep. And I want to go back and forth, back and forth. And here's what I want to do. <laughs> I want you to pick any letter in this person's first name. Yep. Any letter in this person's got it. Yeah. Again, how do people think? I'm showing you how this works. I don't think you thought of the first letter, did you? Yes, I did. See, I, I didn't know if you would do that because you went back and forth and you went to it. And what, what I think you did is end up going with a vowel. This is a singer, but she's related to sports. Something to do with basketball. Oh, what my God. It? You're going to guess it. It's Adele. It's the singer oh Adele. Oh, my God. How would you know that? That's exactly what I was thinking. Holy cow. That, I swear to you. Oh, my God. That is unbelievable. Like, that. Who was the first person that popped in your head? I want to know now. I'm not getting them all, but I want to, who was the first person? I love knowing who was in the front of your brain. The first person that would have been on my podcast, like the significant yeah. figure, John F. Kennedy. Good one. Good one. Should I, I, didn't, I didn't go to JFK. See, 
You ask me if it always works. It doesn't always work. I didn't know it was JFK. So what's great is when people change their minds, a lot of times I can see where they go. But Adele, like I thought it would be great to have Adele on the podcast. I'll tell you something right here. I, I've We've always wanted to get Liev Shriver. Am I even pronouncing his name correctly? The Ray Donovan, voice of Hard yeah. Knocks. Every year, every year I try to get him on the podcast. So I was going to say him. And then if you could have guessed okay. him, that would have been something, but you didn't get. Should have gotten him. I went with Adele. I've walked by him before on the street. If I see him again, I'm putting in a good word. How would you think of Adele? That I mean, like, that's unbelievable. The same way on Sunday you got Randy Moss on. Like, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. But that's why you're the. That's why you're the greatest mentalist there is out there. That's why you're Oz Perlman, and I'm not. That's why you're going to be in residency. Residency. We're going to be in the front row watching you. Love it. Love it. Spread the word, Adam. I love you, buddy. O's, you're the man. Thank you. We'll look forward to your next upcoming pieces on Sunday NFL Countdown with the Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let us know about the residency. Thank you again for all the time. You're the man. Thanks, Adam. You're the man. Love it. Hard to imagine how somebody could do what O's Perlman does, but he does it time and time again. He's perfected the art of being a mentalist, and he never ceases to amaze as he did there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now we go from a man who deals in amazement to a man who's making an amazing transition from the former general manager of the Atlanta Falcons to a new job as CEO of Sumer Sports, which is essentially redefining the way that teams can and sometimes do evaluate their rosters. Thomas Dimitrov. Thomas, my friend. <laughs> Hi. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we could hear you. We could see you. The whole sweet, thing. Sweet, sweet. You know, you, you, <laughs> you, you look like sitting in that chair, Thomas. You look like you work for a company called Paul Tudor Jones. You look like <laughs> you look like you're the CEO of Paul Tudor Jones, Thomas. That's who you look like sitting in that chair right there. I'm telling you, man. I'm just, I'm just. Life is is different for me. I, I swear to God, Adam. I, I miss. The NFL like crazy, and I'm excited about all these opportunities just because there's a lot going on here. I'm learning every day, brother. You know, you know? we're coming, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary. It's unbelievable of your firing from the Atlanta Falcons. And you have transitioned into a whole new world. And I wanted to reach out to you to have you tell people all about your new world. Well, I really appreciate that. I can't wait to do it. I mean, there's a lot there, and believe me dichotomous emotions, brother. I'm there at times when I think I can handle watching the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Sumer Sports basically is a is a name from a, a group of people back in Babylonia 4,000 years before uh, uh, BC, whatever we call that and politically correct this these days. But um, And they were the first group to literally use numbers to make decisions. And so that's why PTJ, Paul Tudor Jones, and son Jack decided to use Sumer Sports as our name. That's Sumer why. Sports. And what is Sumer Sports, Thomas? So Sumer Sports, basically, and I'll boil it down and we can talk more specifics. It is a roster optimization tool, a cutting edge algorithmic based roster optimization tool that systemizes, optimizes and maximizes the, the basically the best 53 man roster for the teams that are using us. And uh, there is so much to it. There are so many levels to it. But in essence, it is an augmentation tool for the general manager and his staff. And it, and it takes, in my mind, um, Adam, it takes the good general manager to being very good. It takes the very good general manager to potentially be a Hall of Famer. I literally have said this when we first started working on this. I said, look, this is something I've truly been looking at and looking for all of my adult, you know, personnel, GM, player personnel life, because it gives you an opportunity to augment that very good ability you have to, to evaluate with 
you know, what we know is the evolution of our league. It is about taking, you know, quantifying and eliminating as much guesswork as possible in your evaluation, your acquisition um, uh, approach, and 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 making really concrete decisions. Okay, well, I, there are a lot of questions that I have to go from there. My first question before we go into how this is done, and I love talking to anybody who uses the words dichotomous and augmentation because your vocabulary far exceeds mine. But how many NFL teams have hired you? How many are you working for? So we pitched uh, we pitched uh, probably 11 teams this spring. Okay. I hate saying pitch. By the way, all of my contemporaries, and I still do call them contemporaries even after two years, Adam. I'll go in there and they're looking at me. They'll pull me aside. They're like, Thomas, you become a salesman. I'm like, you're damn right. I have this. This is a business that I feel really, really strongly. in. So deal with me. He said, hey, by the way, I know my life is going to come to an end in the NFL one day. So let me know how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All coaches, all GMs, all executives, everybody always knows that at some point it's coming. It's coming to it for all of us, Thomas. Right. I mean, that's the way it is for all of us. To answer your question, we have two teams on this year. Uh, with a number, probably five to eight that are still really interested in meeting with us after the season to sort of resurrect our discussions. And you're not at liberty, I would imagine, to share those two teams. Is it private? Is it co- is it not private? Yeah, I'd rather them release it when it's up to them to release it. Okay, so what are you doing for these two teams? What is the service you provide? How do you make their 53-man roster better? How does that happen? Well, uh, without... Uh, divulging too much because you haven't signed an NDA, nor has the world. But uh, <laughs> basically what we do is we go into these teams and we we provide them or they can provide us with their IP. Let's start with that. There are two different ways that we can do this. They can provide us with all of their IP, ideally. And, and then we can basically input that into our algorithm, which is many, many, many layers and, and, and huge amounts of intelligentsia. And I say that because we started off with three people, myself, uh, Paul Tudor Jones, the founder, and his son, Jack Jones, the co-founder. They brought me in as their domain expert and CEO back in January, and we had three of us, and we were like, what direction are we going? Uh, and, and basically what we're doing is we're taking all of their IP as well as much of our IP, and we're dropping it into the you know proverbial algorithm, and that algorithm is, is ultimately providing, you know, many, many options uh, for these teams to decide on what is ideal for their roster. So where we're just for, for perspective, I used to be really proud of myself when I'd create 12 to 15 scenarios for Arthur Blank and company, you know, this, this gives an opportunity to provide millions of scenarios at so many different levels for these general managers to make their decisions on how they want to put together their, their, their roster but you don't even see these players play like you're not in camp watching them. Right? No, we don't see them. That's, that's the importance of, we have, we have our, our proprietary evaluation tool is working on that at a number of levels. It's working on it from a a player tracking standpoint. It's working on it with a, with third party elements that, that we're putting together for, for evaluation purposes. And then again, if these teams provide us would prefer to provide us with their completely with their own IP, then they will do that, and then we use we use their information. What is IP, by the way? Intellectual intellectual property. Oh, there you go. Okay, I'm not living in that world to know what IP is, and I, you continue to use that. Now, do you help these teams before the draft and before free agency as well, or is it just with the final 53-man roster and how they shape it during the course of the season? So at this point in V1, version one, sorry, all these little quirky. V1, yeah, yeah, IP. <laughs> I know, it's, it's crazy. But no, with version one, our our approach right now and our focus right now is in this season's off season. So 22, 23 season, off season, we're, we're, we're getting all of our information and our deliverables ready to provide these teams for their off season ventures. What? proof i'm not doubting the product not doubting more but what proof and data do we have that we know that it works and it does augment their record and their performance for their teams well that's what we're yeah and that's exactly right and that's what we're working on right now right so with our with our two teams right now we're we're really honing in on polishing our product and making sure that it provides exactly what they're looking for remember adam 
you can talk to anyone outside of football. You can talk to people in, in F1. You can talk to people in, in the Premier League. Some of my, my best buddies in basketball and, and across the, the world talking about marginal gains. If you're provided marginal gains from a product like this or more, which we believe are gonna, is going to be considerably more than 2, 3, 5, 10%, Mm-hmm. then you are doing your organization um, you're doing your organization very well by by improving. I presented this in our in our in our time uh, pitching to the general managers that we visited with. Would this truly be worth it if you were to win one game by the use of Marvel through your acquisitions and such? Yes, of course it is. And when you step back from the game that you were intimately involved with, and watch it now. What is the one thing that has struck you that you didn't realize while you were a general manager? Well, I I guess I would probably say that I, first. Let me say one of the most difficult things as a general manager is is the lack of ability on game day to have anything to do with what is happening on the field. You know, you mm-hmm. you literally could could see yourself kicking your feet up on the proverbial table with Arthur Blank on one side, Rich McKay on the other and say, Hey, look, it's out of your hands. It's out of your hands. My hands. I feel like now if I were to go back in and have an opportunity to ever go back in, in any you know, role, whether it was a GM or presidential, I would be a lot more, I wouldn't say hands-on with the head coach, but I would spend a lot more time speaking with the head coach on levels that I think our business, the analytic side of, of, of the business could help provide decision-making ability. And I am in no way saying this is not, remember, this is not black box. I'm coming back to Sumer Sports and Marvel. This is man and machine. I just think as a GM on the other side of something like this, after working in this business, I realize there's so much more to tap into and to provide your head coach. If your head coach is open, that relationship needs to be very harmonious, right? And communicative. This isn't a GM trying to run the show. It's a GM sharing some really vital information that can, I think, ultimately help help win games. Thomas, I want to let you know it's really nice to see you. It's nice to speak with you. I'm glad to see you're doing well. And I have no doubt that you're going to continue to grow Sumer Sports into a force. Adam, it's such a pleasure to be back here. And, and again, you started this off with some great humor and it put me in such a great mood. It's always good seeing you. Whether you're on TV the other night, was, when was that? Was that that was a night ago? Last night? Monday night. My goodness. How are you where you are right now? It's amazing you're able to shift from. Well, ever since my daughter got a job at Nickelodeon, what we did as part of that deal is we agreed to have them teleport me places. So I was in MetLife Stadium on Monday night. I'm in my house today. I'll be in San Francisco this weekend for the Monday night game between the 49ers and Rams. And then I'll teleport back to my house in New York to do another podcast next week, Thomas. Well, look, no offense to your buddy Booger beside you with the pink on yesterday. I liked your <laughs> color better. Susie's <laughs> color better uh, as far as the, the clothes. And he he rocks, but I, I'm just not sure about the pink. Yeah, but Booger can pull off anything. And, and certainly having been an offensive lineman for him on Monday night in a demo drill, I would never, ever question the color that Booger would choose to wear uh, on Monday night countdown, ever. I, I probably wouldn't, but because I'm on the other side of the screen, it makes it easier. <laughs> but you look good too, Thomas. Thank you very much for your time. Lots of luck with Sumer Sports and really appreciate the time and the update today. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. There is the former... Falcons general manager, the current CEO of Sumer Sports, Thomas Dimitrov. And it was nice to get Thomas on the phone last week. It reminded me of another conversation I had with two other people this past week that had the same reaction. People I hadn't spoken to in a little while, called them up out of nowhere, and they both picked up the phone and both had the exact same reaction, which made me think. They picked it up and they said to me, hello, Adam, what's wrong? And I thought to myself, I've heard that reaction from so many people. In recent years, that when I call them, they pick up the phone and think something's wrong. Somewhere along the way, and I don't know when this transition occurred, I think I've become the grim reaper. People think that I'm calling with bad news to check on a player who's hurt, to check on somebody that's being suspended, to check on something nefarious that's gone awry or wrong. And so when I call these people, they automatically 
assume the worst. <laughs> it's just amazing to me how that's happened. But I try not to think of myself in that way. I try to be a positive, glass half full, uplifting, positive person, like my friend, the mentalist, Oz Perlman. But inevitably, when people see my name on their caller ID, they think something bad has happened. Unfortunate, but don't like the way that is. Anyway, we want to thank our guest today, the mentalist, Oz Perlman. We want to thank the former general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, the current CEO of Sumer Sports, Thomas Dimitrov. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast, and you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll look back on week four, look ahead to week five. Until then, have a great week, everybody.